This is the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology, covering industry analysis, data, and market forecasting for quantum technology markets worldwide. Now, here's your host, Christopher Bishop. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Quantum Tech Pod. I'm delighted that you're listening. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you're sitting on the planet. We're using a different format for this session. It's going to be a roundtable discussion with two senior executives leading the charge in developing the quantum internet. I'm delighted to welcome Duncan Earle, the president and CTO of Cubitech, and David Wade, president and CEO of EPB. Our conversation today is going to focus on this amazing partnership between EPB and Cubitech, developing the EPB quantum network in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So thank you, gentlemen, for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. I want to share some background on the two of you before we get started. Uh, Dr. Duncan Earls, president and CTO of Cubitech, which was founded in 2013. Cubitech designs, builds, and integrates the hardware and software for quantum networks, precursors to the quantum-enabled internet, while championing the growth of a robust quantum ecosystem through education, advocacy, and collaboration. Prior to Cubitech, Dr. Earls served for 18 years at the Department of Energy's Oak Ridge National Laboratory researching advanced technologies for national security applications, including quantum encryption solutions for the emerging smart grid. He received his PhD in physics from the University of Tennessee, Knoxville. David Wade began his career with EPB in 1983 as a line helper. He then moved into roles that included senior manager and vice president and became president and CEO of EPB in 2016. Using a 100% fiber optic network as the backbone for the smart grid, He was instrumental in launching EPB fiber optics and played a leading role in the launch of America's first community-wide gig speed internet in 2010. Less than 10 years after deploying Chattanooga's community-wide network, EPB began a multi-year upgrade resulting in the launch of the nation's first community-wide 25-gig internet service and the topic we're addressing today, the EPB quantum network powered by Cubitech. So let's discuss this exciting initiative. David and Duncan, your two companies, EPB and Cubitech, have partnered to launch the EPB Quantum Network, which is America's first industry-led, commercially available quantum network. What's the background for this relationship? How did this come to be? David, why don't you lead us off? Thanks, Chris. You know, I think I'll take you back quickly to uh, 2008-9 when we... We made the decision and launched our fiber optic network and decided to build a fiber optic network across our entire service territory. And as we grew that network, we quickly began to realize that there was more than just offering it as a backbone for our electric system and our smart grid and then offering commercial services that it, it created a platform that allowed our community to have a role in developing what tomorrow could look like. So we developed relationships with uh, the Department of Energy and Oak Ridge National Labs and others. And in 2016, uh, we had a opportunity to partner with uh, Oak Ridge National Lab, Los Alamos and Cubatech uh, on a project using quantum technology uh, for cybersecurity and protecting the electric grid. And that's where we really got to know the folks at Cubatech and really got to look at this, this quantum industry a little closer and to see how quick it was 
developing and to really see how combining the technology that Cubitech had developed and was developing in that project with our institutional knowledge of communications networks and the fiber, the availability of fiber throughout our entire area. And it started conversations of how could we uh, grow that even more. That project, by the way, went on and was a very successful project. And in 2021, uh, won a R&D Top 100 award. And then I, I think Duncan may want to talk about the it went on after that in Cupitech to, to receive even greater recognition in the Edison GOAT Award. So, so you know, we, we really spent about five years working together between EPB and Cubitech to, to prove out sort of the foundational components that you need for a quantum network, uh, how you operate that network, how you move qubits around that network and, and deliver them with high quality so we cut our teeth on a lot of those Department of Energy projects working together. But as we realized that we, we really needed to push beyond that, and uh, although we received an, a number of awards and, and a lot of recognition for those uh, more R&D projects, we wanted to push beyond that and uh, offer something for the quantum industry that they had never had before, which was a commercially available uh, quantum network that had good access for, for industry and had a certain level of performance. Um, in, in rolling that out, we knew that this could only be done with a company like EPB. They, they had one, they already had staff that really understood what we were trying to do given the past five years of working together. Uh, and even maybe even more important than that, they had really the resources that you need. To roll out a, a quantum network, you need to be able to, to uh, deploy a very advanced fiber optic network. Uh, EPB already had one of the most advanced fiber optic networks in, in the country. And so we knew that was the right partner uh, for, for that uh, type of effort. So we were excited to work with EPB and of course are really excited to, to soon be launching uh, this network. Great, and kudos to David for realizing this is an exciting opportunity. And great to hear you talk about the partnership between a national lab and private sector to advance quantum technology applications. So Duncan, I wanna drill down into more of the technical aspects of the EPB quantum network. So it's described as quantum as a service offering that's gonna provide quantum technologists with fiber optic infrastructure using the latest quantum equipment and software uh, to accelerate their process for bringing quantum technologies to market. So tell me how it's constructed and how does it work? So, so it is, Similar and different from a traditional uh, classical IT uh, fiber optic network, one of the ways that it, it's similar is we have, you know, optical fibers, the same optical fibers that you would use in a classical uh, communication network. We're using those same types of fibers uh, in this uh, quantum network. Uh, we also have transmitters and receivers and, and things that you typically would see uh, in a classical network. Of course, the way that it's different is we're not transmitting bits over this uh, network. We're transmitting quantum bits or qubits. And those have to be produced in a very unique way. They have to be um, transmitted very carefully so that you preserve the quantum states uh, of these qubits. And they have to be detected and measured uh, in a very, um, uh, very particular way. And so as, as you can imagine, the technology around these qubits in this quantum transmission uh, network 
is still very young and a lot of the equipment is very expensive. It's hard to get your hands on. Uh, they're, they're being made in small quantities and there's still a lot of uh, development in this kind of nascent component uh, market around quantum. What's really exciting about the EPB quantum network is that it takes all of those components, all of that uh, complex uh, construction, and it, it, it it builds that into the network so that users can come to Chattanooga, can come to the network, and they can actually leverage and access all of those devices on a fully functioning quantum network that can distribute qubits directly to the users or the clients uh, of the network. So, you know, if you, if you sort of take a 30,000 foot view, uh, it is a network that is a ring and spoke architecture it is made up of these uh, systems we call equipment hubs that store all of this quantum equipment I just, just mentioned. And then the users are nodes that connect to that and can configure the network for their specific applications. So it's, uh, we're still learning as we deploy this network. And I'm sure over the next few years, we're going to learn even more about how best to, to make this system available to users. But at the end of the day, we are trying to provide a service where users can come to Chattanooga, have 90% of a quantum solution already built in or baked into the infrastructure of the quantum network. And these users would come and bring their remaining 10% of their solution or their application, connect it to the network, and then demonstrate it or deploy it. Great. Thank you. David, did you want to comment? Yeah, I think a couple of follow-up comments to it. One thing that I'll make sure, you know, we, we see that these uh, users and clients of the network, their IP is their IP. So we, we're not going to get into those conversations that can sometimes occur in, in, in some environments that have laboratories that we, we believe that our clients that come in bring their IP, they work, and they, they do their testing. And the ideal that it's a configurable network is a pretty important component as well because being a software configurable means that somebody that comes in and does some tests today can come back six months or eight months and get the exact same configuration. And they have true comparative test, which is very important. And I think the last thing I would, I would say about the network itself is, you know, currently in its early stages, it's a uh, fairly uh, small network, but having access to 9,000 miles of fiber that as this technology grows and scales, that we have the ability in partnership with Cubatech to scale the technology that we know is going to be an important aspect of where the commercialization of quantum goes. Uh, I, I read that a key piece of equipment that's making this all possible is uh, Cubatech's BOR4, right? which is a proprietary quantum networking system that generates, transmits, and measures qubits, as you were mentioning before, Duncan. Can you tell our listeners how this system works and maybe more detail about what the tech is behind it? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll try and avoid going too deep down, down the rabbit hole. I could, I could, I love to talk about the technology that underpins it, but I think I love that more than people enjoy listening to it. Uh, okay. But, uh, but I will say that, you know, the technology that we've incorporated and we just kind of put an, an umbrella term on this product. So we call this the Cubitex Bohr 4 network. It's called uh, Bohr's after the famous uh, uh, physicist and four is because we actually do four 
qubits in parallel uh, that we transmit around uh, the network. But cool. if, if you wanted to kind of like visualize what does this thing really look like and what are what is the technology that's underpinning it, um, just to, to give you an idea of the, of the visual, it's not too terribly different from what you might see uh, in a data center. It, it's got a, you know, a slightly different look to the cabinets that highlights, you know, sort of the, 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 the quantum nature. We've got some nice graphics that goes on the cabinets. But when you open it up inside of there, there's really just a lot of these specialized quantum uh, devices. And uh, an example of a quantum device is a photonic qubit source. And so that is um, a system that produces these quantum bits or these qubits that we then transmit around the network. If you dive even deeper inside of there, there's a, a small crystal. It's about the size of kind of half of a toothpick in length. And it looks like a glass toothpick almost where we're mm. running uh, lots of light through it pumping it with, a, with a, a very special type of laser. And then every now and then we get a little bit of these qubits. A few of these qubits get produced by this crystal. And that's really kind of where the journey uh, begins. You, these qubits that get produced, you can produce them in lots of different flavors. One of the flavors that people are most interested in is uh, entangled qubits. Um, and just as kind of as a, a bit of a hand-waving explanation, you can kind of think of it as twin photons, that even when they are separated by large distances, what's happening to one of those photons affects what's happening to another photon. That's one of kind of the, the fundamental elements of some of this quantum technology are these entangled qubits. There's a, a superposition of qubits as well. All of this becomes possible starting with the qubit generators inside of these racks. There's other uh, components in there uh, too, related to routing and coming up with switches that can uh, route these qubits without hurting them. They're very fragile, so you've got to be careful sort of how you, you move them around the network and, and you route them. But ultimately, we push these uh, qubits onto the network where they get distributed across optical fibers to different users. When those same qubits come back to our, our data centers or our equipment hubs where we have our, our measurement equipment. We have superconducting nanowire detectors, which are very high efficiency, single photon counting detectors that will uh, measure these qubits and uh, allow us to measure their quantum states. If you uh, look at the companies that have made this technology, Cubitech, of course, is offering this solution. We make the sources, we make an, a number of the other uh, elements that are in this network, but we're not the only one. There's companies like Daikon Fiber Optic that's working on that delicate uh, switching uh, between devices. Another company called Quantum Opus makes this superconducting nanowire detector, which gets cooled down to two Kelvin and, and has to run very consistently, you know, 24-7. All of these companies are, are working together to be able to provide uh, really the, the first ever commercial solution uh, for quantum networking. And I'm sure five, 10 years down the road, these things will all be tiny and will fit into much smaller boxes. <laughs> right now, they're all pretty large and, and very discrete, uh, non-integrated systems. So uh, right now, that's probably the bulk of the effort is figuring out how do you integrate these together and really get them to work reliably and flexibly enough uh, for, for all of the different applications that we know our users are going to want to run. Yeah, well, to continue on the theme of you know companies working together, um, in February of this year, you announced a deal with Alero Quantum to use their quantum network controller for the EPB quantum network. 
So Duncan, or you could talk about how their solution, which they call IllyroNet, is going to provide a user interface to the EPP quantum network, and as a result, enable end users to define, validate, schedule, run, and control services. Yeah, so this this is really exciting because for the last hundred years, you know, uh, scientists have been studying quantum, and th- those studies are tabletop demonstrations. They're 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 very experimental. There there's a lot of uh, tweaking of devices and trying to align lasers and, and things that look very scientific. Now, now that we have this commercial quantum network, a lot of that is taking a, a backseat. We basically have a reconfigurable network that can do all of that electronically. You can design what you want the network to do, what type of quantum uh, phenomenon you want to exploit for your specific application. You can design that and then push it onto the network where the network gets reconfigured to realize that particular application. And the software that makes that happen, that makes it easy for the user to sit down at their desk, design their quantum uh, circuit their quantum application and push that to the network. That's really what Alero is bringing uh, to this solution. So we think that's a very important piece because now you you open up the access uh, to this type of technology. No longer do you have to be a physicist or a quantum optics uh, uh, you know uh, specialist. You can if you can program a, a computer, if you can use the Alero software then you can sit down and start doing some of these uh, developments uh, with quantum technology. You can uh, create these files, uh, test them, and uh, continue your development. So the Alero software really helps to improve the accessibility of this technology, and we're excited to have them as a partner. Well, that's very exciting. I mean, the ex- and again, expanding awareness and adoption and applications of these quantum-based technologies. Very cool. I think we all realize it's certainly important for the future success of quantum-driven initiatives to help develop a quantum-ready workforce. I think it's top of mind in a lot of these conversations at events that I go to, webinars I attend. And I read that you have an initiative called Gig City Goes Quantum in Chattanooga. And I read it was designed to introduce, educate, and encourage more people to pursue careers related to this emerging technology. So David, tell our listeners about that initiative. Who was involved and what were the results? Oh, yeah, it was an exciting initiative, one that we felt like our community was just so supportive of. I think we had over 20 uh, different groups that were involved in putting together this initiative really to to start to build that quantum ecology, you know, in support of this emerging, this emerging sector. And we involved uh, both public and private, our 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 Hamilton County Public Schools, uh, you know, the UTC, Chattanooga State, some of our, our colleges are looking at workforce, uh, some of our accelerators uh, that, that are working with startup companies and the chamber, uh, all putting together this, this ideal that was targeted at creating at least a thousand learning activities that students and and folks mid-career were would engage in during the month of may it started we kicked it off on world quantum day and at the end we had uh, over 2,000 folks individuals that went into completing uh, learning activities of all ages and then we had 120 teachers reaching over 8,000 students in 400 classroom activities that were part of this this amazing effort. Uh, 
we it, we kicked it off on World Quantum Day, and I'll ask Duncan to talk a little bit about some of this. But when we did, uh, Duncan did a couple of presentations at. Uh, one was at one of our local high schools that I happened to get a chance to sit in on and and be a part of. And one of the amazing things to me is when I've watched around our workforce and folks that are uh, like me have been around a little while and have developed our set of knowledge base, when you start talking about entanglement or you're talking about uh, superposition, and some of those concepts, uh, most folks look like, well, can that really be true? What it was amazing to me is these high school students were like, well, yeah. You know, they, they didn't have the blinders that some of us have on. And I was I, I was so entrailed with that. And I hope Duncan will share a little bit about some of what he saw in those experiences. But to me, the, the fact that their blinders went away was just amazing. And to start to this education, we had uh, one of the private schools, the, there was a local private school that teacher got involved and taught students and had them actually prepare a training and a lecture for other students and activities so it was uh i would say it was a tremendous success that the whole community is getting excited about what this quantum space could mean for for chattanooga working with the um especially the tyner academy which was a, a high school that we were doing one of these presentations at it was both scary and a lot of fun. Scary for me because this is the first time I had ever tried to explain some of these basic quantum principles to, to high schoolers. I'm not a high school teacher and uh, you know I didn't really know how well that was going to go, uh, but it ended up being a, a lot of fun. You know, when you're describing quantum superposition and how you can think of it as these particles being in different universes, you know, simultaneously and then all coming together to interfere and, and produce a solution. These are kind of far out there concepts, but but uh, these high schoolers picked them up pretty quick, and they were just sort of like, "Yeah, it's it's like the multiverse in Marvel," and uh, yeah, we get it. <laughs> so, so I was like, "Okay, right. this is not as hard to sell as I thought it was going to be." But to David's point, it, as you get older, as as the audience gets older, it's harder and harder, right, for people to 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 really adopt and and embrace some of these. Uh, what's what sound like kooky ideas, but are you know really established quantum uh, physics principles um, today? It's also why working with EPB is is such a, a powerful partnership uh, we feel for for Cubitech. I mean they they're really mobilizing in Chattanooga all of the different resources around supporting this growing quantum ecosystem and growing the the workforce development piece or maturing the workforce development piece is going to really be key everyone is trying to understand you know what what quantum really is including you know people going through college right now getting their their engineering degrees people that are looking to retrain uh, for the new for the new technologies coming uh, in the future and so there's a big education component that has to be filled as we work towards uh, workforce development for the companies that are, are emerging in the quantum space yeah well kudos to to you guys geek city goes quantum what a terrific initiative I mentioned that some of our accelerators were part of this. It's like we've got a local accelerator, a collab that looks at helping startup communities, and uh, they they just uh, launched this last month 
their sustainable mobility accelerator and, and had announced that one of their focuses around that is going to be quantum. Uh, along with that, UTC, our, our local college, has just started a, a UTC Research Institute and named uh, Dr. Meaner Sartipi to lead it. And with quantum and uh, some of the smart city technologies being uh, being one of their focus, so it's it's really interesting to watch the community embrace this. You know, at levels from middle school and elementary school all the way through that that total total workforce and thinking about what tomorrow can be for the the community and what the workforce of tomorrow really does look like. Yeah, that's fantastic. What a great story that is. So gentlemen, our Quantum Tech Pod listeners are always interested in what uh, my guests are doing in terms of uh, clients or bringing this technology uh, to the real world. So without violating any NDAs or sharing proprietary client information, if you could broadly speak about, you know, current or potential clients for the EPB Quantum Network, are you developing proofs of concept maybe with any private sector or government organizations? David, can you share some insight? Since the, uh, in Chattanooga, in March in Chattanooga, we had the Quantum Economic Development Consortium had held its preliminary session here in Chattanooga with uh, over a hundred uh, companies, and we've had a chance to talk with uh, almost all of those companies, both during the event, but more particularly after the event. We've sat down with uh, folks that are in small companies that have less than ten employees that that are looking how, how can how does this give me an advantage to test you know, a, a, a chip and how it's operating to uh, companies that are uh, billion-dollar-plus companies. And across many sectors from the communication, quantum communication, quantum sensing to, to quantum uh, computing. And I, I think that one of the things that we've, we've found out recently is just since the, the last couple of months, we've... Uh, had folks that are looking at applying for different private and, and public, those that are looking at applying for different grant proposals. And, and they're, they're reaching out and saying, you know, would you join us and could, could we include, how do we use this, using this network to prove out the work that we're doing as part of this grant and include that as part of a grant proposal. So I think that's, that's one of we've had, uh, actually even uh, signed over 22 letters of support in the last month just for future grants that would use the network as proving out the technology they're doing as they move forward. And I, I think that's, that's exciting. When you look at the National Lab, certainly just recently there was a, a lab call that talks about leveraging quantum technology in the energy space. Well, you know, when we have a quantum network and we are energy company all at one, we're a, a, a perfect place to work with some of the national labs, particularly uh, our relationship with Oak Ridge has, is a great relationship that's been going on for a while. But it is just uh, stay tuned. We plan to open our officially open our quantum network to subscribers 
in uh, the latter part of July. So stay tuned about the details of, of some of those uh, companies in particularly. So uh, we look forward to having those conversations uh, coming soon. Great. No, very exciting. And just to add a little to what, what David said there, I mean, you know, recently Apple released their augmented reality headset, which of course is uh, uh, making a big splash. And when you look at the cost of that system and you look at, you know, where it's at in, in the development and what's available through augmented reality uh, uh, providers, it, it's really a, uh, a tool for developers, right? I mean, that, that they're, those developers are going to take that new tool from Apple and they're going to develop all kinds of really exciting and fun applications uh, around that technology. In, in some ways, the EPB quantum network uh, is, is similar. We were early on, we expect to be targeting developers of quantum technologies. And as David points out, that's from small companies, big companies, uh, people in the computing space, the communication space, the sensing space. It's a very diverse uh, group. But with EPB quantum network, they can uh, really leverage that infrastructure to do application discovery, to accelerate their, their, their product development. And so as a uh, tool for developers, we see this being kind of the early, uh, early users really of that network. As the network grows, gets larger, you have more applications that can run on it, we see more um, users, sort of end users of those applications, banks that are uh, taking the improved communication security provided by uh, quantum systems and leveraging that for, for better internal security. You know, all kinds of different applications that we expect to come from these, these early developers. That's great that this is providing a sort of test bed, if you will, a place for people to uh, explore applying this technology and across a range of settings and applications, right? Yep. A test bed, a sandbox really for, uh, again, really that focus on how do you get those quantum products to market faster. Exactly. I want to circle back to a topic, again, that's near and dear to my heart around quantum talent. So I want to get your take on the challenges facing companies like Cubitech and EPB. Uh, in recruiting for your company? Do you have affiliations with universities? Are there roles in specific disciplines maybe that are harder to fill than others? I know that several universities in and around Chattanooga. I just wonder what the process is and how, you, how you've been doing that. The issue here is that one of the things we're running into with workforce development is kind of a, a misconception that's really pervasive when it comes to quantum. It's this idea that you've got to have a PhD in physics to be involved in any way in this this quantum revolution that that's occurring, and that's really not uh, not the case. I mean, we need lots of quantum physicists, and and the more the better. Um, but we have a, a fairly um, we already have an, a number of quantum physicists, and and it's not our most dire uh, need. The bigger challenge is on all these other talents that you need to take. Uh, uh, basically R&D products, and move them into the commercial space to deploy them and provide the services and the business, you know, uh, systems around those, those technologies. So engineers of pretty much any type, material engineers, electrical engineers, optical engineers, if they have an understanding of quantum systems and quantum phenomenon, that, that really uh, is helpful uh, to, to the industry today. And right now, what you see mainly in quantum companies is they're hi hiring people coming out of college that maybe don't have the specialty in quantum, and they're training them internally. But that's a very a, a lengthy process, and we really need people coming out of the, the universities and the colleges that are already up to speed 
uh, on quantum. So definitely engineering is probably uh, engineers that are that are ready for the quantum market or quantum industry are probably the the most dire need. But shortly uh, behind them are others on the manufacturing side and the deployment side. So if you look at what went into the EPB quantum network and you think about other networks in the country starting to to replicate what was done in Chattanooga, ultimately many networks being tied together to create this quantum internet over time, that's going to take a tremendous number uh, of people to install the fibers, to install the quantum equipment, all of this specialized equipment we were talking about earlier, uh, to maintain it, the the services around uh, those systems, the marketing and the sales, the support for, for users. Just like we saw with the, the growth of the internet, we're going to see the same uh, types of jobs uh, with the, these quantum networks starting to emerge. The great thing about that is these are, are good paying jobs. Uh, we know that uh, they require a high level of skill. So there's a, 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 an education and training component to it that, that is gonna be critical that we develop. But as we get more and more of uh, these critical positions filled, it'll help the industry grow uh, quite a bit faster. I would also add that we have seen uh, a energy around a lot of our employees wanting to have the opportunity to learn more about this space and to get involved in what we're doing in the quantum space already. And I've, I've talked to uh, employees that we've hired in the last six months that said when they found out that EPB was getting into the quantum space, they knew they wanted to work here. And they're not even in the quantum space. They're working on the electric side of the house and going back to school to learn about the quantum space. And I just found it fascinating that it's creating the amount of energy that it is about folks really excited about this new frontier. I want to tease out a comment you made, Duncan, and mention for our listeners that this podcast was put together with the help of two very talented women working in marketing and communications helping coordinate your schedules and my schedule and the producer's schedule and the messaging. So I always want to log that with everybody. As you were saying, Doug, you know, you don't have to be a particle physicist to work in quantum. So exactly right. Yep. Duly noted. Right. Um, gentlemen, we're coming to the end. I'd like to typically end the podcast by asking you to look in your crystal ball and share with our listeners, you know, your vision for where maybe quantum networking and more broadly quantum computing might be in say three to five years. And, what kind of impact do you think it's going to have more broadly on how we live and work, impact on various verticals, certainly networking users around healthcare, finance, education, safety, communications? So, Duncan, why don't you start? Give us, give us your take. Sure. So, so quantum computing and quantum networking are tied in many ways, right? I mean, we know quantum computing still has a, a, a fair amount of ways to go, you know, five, ten year type type roadmap before we get to these universal quantum computers that are, you know, really powerful enough to, to uh, change the world in, in, in ways that people are, are touting today. Uh, quantum networks, though, are going to help them get, get to a more useful uh, place faster. And the main reason is a quantum network let, lets you take smaller quantum computers, time together and get the power of, of you know, the, the sum of those, those uh, uh, devices. And yeah. so having a quantum network really lets you increase the power uh, of quantum computers more, more quickly. I think what you're going to see in the next three to five year time frame is quantum computers and quantum networks working together 
to accelerate traditional kind of classical uh, solutions. Um, for a, a great one, and probably the one that will be the, the most exciting, is artificial intelligence-related systems. You know, you've got these large uh, artificial neural networks that have to be trained on a large amount of data. However, you can speed that process up, uh, even if it's just by 10 or 20 or 30 percent, it's going to allow you to have more powerful AI. And in the early days, uh, that, that's where I think you'll see the quantum computers coming in and being uh, utilized, not to solve a completely new problem, but to accelerate an existing one. And so, uh, you know, AI is so exciting now, just seeing what we can do. Imagine when you add quantum to it uh, over mm. the next few years, it should really be a, an exciting period. Yeah, and David, look into your crystal ball. Share, what's your vision of where this is going? Oh, I, I think uh, uh, with Duncan on a, a lot of that, the ideal of seeing quantum computers connected together and their impact multiplied by connected over a quantum network. And then watching that that really start to transform industry. I think you're going to certainly see the the quantum workforce grow, the workforce uh, around this whole quantum ecology is going to grow. But I think in that three to five years, you're going to see more commercialization where outside industries are starting to really understand that this new technology benefits their industry. We're we're already seeing, uh, you know, you know, companies in our community that are, you know, trying to say, well, I wonder what this could mean for us. And I, I think that, I think that is, uh, it's going to be fascinating just to watch how it impacts so many industries. You know, you'll you'll see uh, certainly everything from, you know finance, healthcare, logistics, uh, you know, energy, ener the energy industry that we're in, you know, as we see the transformation of the energy industry, I, I see quantum playing an extremely, extremely valuable role as we transition from, you know, uh, a central station to a more distributed model that with decisions made sub-second, I, I think it's going to play such a such a role in so many industries. But I think the, the lens points, like Duncan said earlier, is the accelerated value of allowing you to multiply the value of quantum computing by connecting them together. I think we'll see that just like we did when we saw uh, the internet yeah. come about uh, well, I several say years ago. A huge thanks to, to both of you, Duncan and David. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedules to speak with me today. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Same here. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. So a call to action. I want to invite people to follow each of you and your companies on LinkedIn. I'm going to point them to your websites. There are several, epbquantumnetwork.com, cubatech.com, epb.com, and gigcitygoesquantum.com. Very cool. Uh, Cubatech is on Twitter, and EPB Chattanooga is on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thanks again, Duncan and David, for joining me today, and thanks to all of you for listening. Please share this podcast on your social media channels to increase the impact of my conversation with Duncan and David and this exciting news about the next stage of the quantum internet. Listen to my other podcasts if you haven't already, and please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. This has been a production of Inside Quantum Technology. You've been listening to the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology. 
For more information on this episode or other topics relating to quantum technology, visit InsideQuantumTechnology.com.